This is the Youpreneur FM podcast, where each week we bring you the strategies and resources you need to build, market and monetize a profitable, future-proof business around your knowledge and expertise. And now, here's your host, international business mentor and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Yes, hello, my friend, and welcome to episode number 368 of Youpreneur FM. It's a real pleasure to be with you as always, and man, have I got... Have I got an episode for you today, particularly if you are somebody that either wants to write a book or has already written a book and wants to sell more copies of that book and make a lot more money based off of what you teach and talk about in that book. Ooh, yeah. Have I piqued your interest? I certainly hope so. Welcome back to the show and welcome back to our fourth and our final keynote presentation. Yes, we are throwing back to November 2019, more about seven weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, so we're throwing back to last year's Youpreneur Summit, where we had four incredible keynote speakers open and close each day. Yes, there are plenty of other amazing speakers in between, but I thought we might kick off January here with a look at what the event is all about, the types of speakers that come to the event, the types of content that they share, and obviously what the audience is like in person as well. If you've not attended the Youpreneur Summit before, please do hop over to youpreneursummit.com right now and get yourself on the wait list for tickets for 2020. We're already 45% sold out. That was from last year's event that we pre-sell tickets to, obviously. Um, but at the end of the day, there's still 55% of the tickets available uh, when we go on sale very, very soon. So youpreneursummit.com. Get on the wait list now if you intend or wish to be with us in London next November. So with our fourth and our final keynote from the event, our closing keynote was the one and only Hal Elrod. Now, many of you might know Hal from the Miracle Morning book that he wrote several years ago, which is now being translated into multiple, I mean, 30 different languages, I think. He sold millions and millions of copies in all those different languages combined. And uh, it was a massive, massive success. However, the real success in Hal's story, and particularly the story around the Miracle Morning and then the Miracle Equation, which was his follow-up from 2019, and everything else that goes along with it, is the impact that he's been able to have with the book and its success. But more importantly even that, the money he's made as a youpreneur himself. Somebody else, just like last week's JJ Virgin, who truly does identify as a youpreneur and building a business based around their expertise and the people that they want to serve the most. And let me tell you something, Hal drops so many value bombs in the next 46 minutes of this particular podcast episode, as he did on stage in London last November. Please get a notebook and a pen ready. You're going to need it. And you're going to thank me for what's about to hit your ears. Enjoy. Youpreneur FM, helping you build the business of you. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. Do your thing. This is for you. Woo! Thank you. Thanks, Chris. That was like the shortest introduction of anyone that you gave. <laughs> I was expecting a lot more. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I thought we were better friends. Hey, you guys and gals ready to have some fun? Yes. 
All right, I have nothing fun planned. I apologize. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been here with you for the last two days uh, as an attendee, you know, not just a speaker, but as an attendee and learning so much, my head feels like it's going to explode. Anybody else with me? Um, and honestly, I've had conflicting emotions the last two days up until coming up onto stage. And uh, maybe you can relate, but I, I've had kind of a, a both encouraging emotions where I've felt excited and optimistic with all the things I'm learning, right? Uh, seeing everyone on stage going, wow, if they could do it, I could do it. You know, and what they're teaching me, this is, this is what works. There's so much great content. And those are the encouraging emotions that I've been feeling. But then at the same time, I've been feeling discouraging emotions like insecurity and overwhelm. Maybe you can relate to that too. You know, seeing people on stage and going, they're, you know, like Chris Ducker, he has his shit together in ways I never will. You know, he's so smart. He's so on point. He's got all these systems and things and my brain's all over the place, right? I'm looking at the other speakers going, God, they're so, you know, their delivery is flawless. They're so poised. They're so well-spoken. You're about to find out I'm I'm not all of those things. Uh, But I, I think that, I'll share a few thoughts on if you've experienced those discouraging emotions. Anybody, by the way, experienced that insecurity comparing yourself to the other entrepreneurs, right? Or the overwhelm thinking, I have so much to do, so much to learn. I'm still so far away from who I need to be or where I need to be. So a couple thoughts on this. First and foremost is the insecurity, which I deal with all the time. It's never gone away. You know, I think we're all, you know, we're all, four-year-olds and 40-year-old bodies are somewhere in between. And uh, for me, for the insecurity, it's, it's the realization, and I'd encourage all of us to, to, to really invite this into our heart and into our mind, into our body, into our soul, this realization that you and I, we are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving everything that we want as any other person on earth. You got to own that, right? Owning your greatness, owning your truth, realizing that if another human being has done it, whatever it is that you want to do, that's evidence that you can do it too. So first owning that realization that you're just as worthy, capable, and deserving as any other person and telling yourself that every single day. And then to overcome the, the overwhelm, just to realize, yeah, there's a hundred things you learned at this event that you could do and, and you probably will do, but all of us will do them one at a time. None of us can do 10 at a time or 20 at a time or the hundred things that you learned at a time. Everything that you learned these last two days, you get to go back home and you get to review, and you get to decide, what one thing will I do today? And so you can create everything that you want, one day at a time, one step at a time. What does the slide say here? Hal Elrod. Okay. So, uh, I hadn't looked up there yet. Uh, I guess I had. So, the message that I'm going to give you today, it's kind of a combination of a few things. Uh, it, it's called Beyond the Bestseller. And Jeff Goins taught you how to write a bestseller. And then I'm going to share how to go beyond the bestseller. 
And the subtitle of that message, Beyond the Bestseller, of this message, is how to create content, specifically how to write a book, but whether or not you write a book, how to create content, or how to write a book that creates a movement, earns you a fortune, and changes the world. All of the above. And before I do that, I'm actually going to show you a video. I have a little surprise for you. This is actually a sneak peek of a documentary that I've been working on for four years that I got cancer of in the middle and became part of the documentary. It's called The Miracle Morning. Any, any fans of The Miracle Morning in the room? Wow, that's fantastic. Um, can you hit play? I'm not sure how to hit play on the video. Oh, just click the thing. Okay. So December 3rd, 1999 we went home that night and about 11:30 at night we got a call from Hal's good friend Jeremy and he had indicated that Hal had been in a, a car accident so the night of Hal's accident we were at a conference and we were coming back from it he gets in the car I get in my car and we head out he got ahead of me and I caught a red light I was driving about 65 miles per hour. The drunk driver was going 80 miles an hour. Someone crossed the median and hit them head on. His Ford Mustang spun around and the oncoming driver T-boned him. There was like all this debris in the middle of the freeway. And my buddy looks out the window and says, I think there was a Mustang on the side of the road. I was like, dude, I couldn't even and as I kind of started driving, he's like, no, man, I think that was Hal's mistake. When I talked to Jeremy, I, I, I told him to tell Hal that we loved him and, you know, that he had to hang in there and that, you know, we were all coming. The fire department, everyone showed up, they had to cut through the car off the, to have to pull him out. And his heart had stopped for about six to seven minutes. walking through the door and it was like they'd been waiting for us and it, you know there was whispers and it was like the L rods are here and then we were rushed into a room. The damage that was done to his body was horrific. They did not expect him to live through the weekend. He's probably not going to be able to hear because of the damage to his ear. He might not be able to see because he had shattered bones around his eye. He'll never walk again. There was so much brain trauma and they told us that you know he would be a vegetable. I think he was in the coma for about a week. First it was like, say goodbye. Then they were like, oh, looks like he might make it, sort of. We knew he was alive inside. His brain was still working. He wasn't a vegetable. And he woke up the next day talking. When Hal woke up, his short-term memory was completely impacted. So it was like Groundhog's Day every day. I remember one time he's like, did I get in a plane crash? And I think we went with that story for a little while. I was like, tomorrow we'll just, we'll retell the real story again, you know? And he just, he took his first step and it was just another one of those things where people were just shocked at how fast he was coming back. He just defied everything the doctors said. We laughed through all of it. We just, you know, you always kind of found humor and I think that helped him survive. When Hal got out of the hospital four months later, 
his high school principal called and he said, I know this is crazy, but he goes, do you think Hal would speak to the student body? And so that was the start really of Hal's speaking career. I just feel like Hal had another purpose. He wasn't done yet. I still believe that now. It was a miracle. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And I do have to give a shout out. My mom's in the back of the room. Mom, you want to stand up for a second? <laughs> Our first time in London together. It's been special. Um, so why write a book? And, you know, Jeff covered some of this earlier, but, but I want to share my perspective on this. I never dreamt of being an author. Anybody grow up dreaming of being an author when they grew up? Oh, a few. Okay. And has, have you written a book yet? Those of you? Okay. Most of you have. Great. Um, so I wasn't one of those people where I thought oh, I want to be an author. I, I'm not a writer. And to this day, writing is the hardest thing that I do. And I've always done that out of a sense of responsibility for other people. And what's interesting is when you don't do it for the money, when you, and this is true for all things, not just, uh, writing a book, but when you don't do it for the money and you do it for the contribution that it makes to the lives of other people, I find that the money kind of comes. But if we're really honest as entrepreneurs and we're looking for the reason, why, why would I write a book? And maybe the, the excuse is I'm not a writer or is it worth my time? Or I don't know what I would write about. Two reasons that I believe everyone in this room, if you're not already writing a book or you haven't written a book, or even if you've written a book, should consider writing another book but really should invest some time in this and make the, this a one of your major goals. And you find that everyone, virtually everybody on stage that's been sharing, they've got at least one book, right? Including the man himself, Chris Ducker. And that book makes two important impacts in our lives. And the first is, the first reason you'd write a, want to write a book is impact, right? The impact that you can make in the lives of other people. I have a, one of my team members, Chip Franks, wrote a book called Life Lessons from Dad. He had a stroke, and then he realized there were all these lessons he never taught his kids. So he wrote his book not to make money, which it's now doing, but he wrote it to his children to make an impact for them. So number one is to make an impact that's scalable. Number two is to create an income that's scalable. And I can tell you from experience having had cancer three years ago, I was diagnosed with this cancer, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. I was given a 20 to 30% chance of living, which if you're a pessimist, that's a 70 to 80% chance you're going to die. And how could you laugh at that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm kidding. But here's the beauty of it. Uh, the year before I got cancer, I sold 130,000 copies of the Miracle Morning in the U.S. That's not worldwide, but in the U.S. alone. These damn foreign publishers don't give you numbers. It's hard to, to track the sales. But in the U.S., it was 130,000 copies. The year I had cancer, it was 131,000 copies. And I didn't work. I didn't do an interview. I spent eight months in the hospital and the other four months at home, resting, rehabilitating, going through chemotherapy. So think about that for a second, right? That, that's the value of writing a book. 130,000 plus lives were changed and our family earned, I think it was $640,000 in income from those sales while I did no interviews, while I ran no Facebook ads, I did no promotion. 
But the strategies I'm going to teach you today are how you write a book that, again, creates a movement, earns you a fortune, and changes the world while, but, but does it perpetually. It does it on its own. So it's kind of like Jeff talked about. You write a book in a way that you embed the marketing in the book. And I'm going to give you strategies that complement what Jeff taught you today and add on to that. Right, I wrote my first book. You guys saw the video, right? It was, I was hit head on by a drunk driver when I was 20 years old, died for six minutes, told I would never walk again. And that story, I felt I had learned lessons about how to stay positive in the face of adversity that I wanted to share with other people. And it was really my, the doctors, my parents, my friends that encouraged, you really need to write a book about this, share a story, share your story in a way that can help others. And it took me six years to write that book, taking life head on. I'm not a writer. And you see the, here's the case study. It was self-published in 2006. We've sold about 6,000 copies total since 2006. It's about 42 copies a month. I've made about $42,000 in royalties in 13 years. So what I'm going to teach you today, I didn't know back then. This is kind of the way most people self-publish a book and hope to get these type of results. But I'm going to share with you, by the way, what I'm going to share with you, what I wrote in my, the reason I wrote the second book was the financial crisis of 2008. Anybody around during 2008? Okay. So it wasn't just me. So the economy crashed in the United States and my business crashed with it and my life crashed with it. I lost over half of my clients and over half of my income. I couldn't pay my mortgage. My house was taken away by the bank. My body fat percentage tripled in six months and I got deeply depressed for the first time in my life. I really was at my rock bottom, my lowest point. And a series of events led to me coming up with a morning ritual. I wasn't a morning person. Anybody not a morning person before the miracle morning, right? So I wasn't a morning person, but I kept coming across these articles that the world's most successful people in all walks of life, they swore by their morning ritual. They started their day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state. So they were a better version of the person they were when they went to bed the night before. And by starting their day in an optimum state, they were able to give that better version to everything they did. They were better parents. They were better leaders. They were better at their work. They were better in everything and they felt better. And I thought, I've got to give it a try. And so I started doing this morning ritual and I wanted to create the optimum morning ritual. I wanted it to be like the, the best of the best. And I incorporated all the best practices, six of them total, meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling all in the first hour of my day. And within two months, it had transformed my life. I had more than doubled my income. I went from having not exercised in six months to committing to run a 52 mile ultra marathon. It's 112 kilometers, by the way, I Googled it for those of you Europeans. And I went to my wife and I said, sweetheart, we are like, we're, we're, we're getting our head above water. This morning routine thing it is transforming my, like everything so fast. It feels like a miracle. She goes, it's your miracle morning. I was like, yes, I love that. And that same sense of responsibility that I wrote my first book from compelled me to write my second book, the miracle morning. And that's why I wrote it. 
And I would encourage you to consider what have you experienced in your life or what knowledge do you have that would add value for other people? And then I would go as far as to say this. It's selfish for you not to not share that with other people. It's selfish for you to not write that book. It's selfish. And the flip side of that is I believe it is our responsibility as part of the human family. You're all my brothers and sisters. I believe we are all family. I don't care. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what country you live in. We're all part of the human family. And I believe that we have a responsibility to support each other in the way we would our own flesh and blood immediate family. The next book, The Miracle Morning, I self-published in 2012. Since then, it has been traditionally published in 37 languages. And the impact, it, we've sold, yeah, Chris, 100,000 copies. Uh, the Miracle Morning has now sold over 2 million copies around the world. And it averages about 10,000 plus copies a month. It's hard to know the exact number. So radically different from my first book which has sold 6,000 copies in 13 years. The Miracle Morning sells about 10,000 a month. And the income you can see is significant. And that's a pa- relatively passive income. I mean, it's literally passive income. When I had cancer and was in the hospital, the income kept coming in. And I, I, I couldn't have been more grateful. I was meeting people in the hospital that, you know, they, they were out of work and they couldn't support themselves. They didn't have a passive source of income. So, I've done a lot of reverse engineering because again, I believe it is our responsibility to share what has worked for us with other people. And when the miracle morning became this huge success, which by the way, it didn't, you're going to see a graph in a little bit where you see how long it took me to get it going and, and how I did that. But when I realized that it had, I had figured out some things, lots of them by accident that could help anyone if, if you model these strategies, I'm not promising that you're going to get the same results. Of course, I can't promise that. But I promise you that you will separate yourself from the way that 99% of authors write their books and the mistakes they make or, or the, simply the things they leave out that don't allow their books to become a word of mouth phenomenon that sell over and over and over and change more and more lives whether or not that person is promoting the book or not. And so now you're going to learn, I'm going to share with you the five simple strategies to go beyond the bestseller, to write a book that creates a movement, earns you a fortune and changes the world. And I'm going to start with what I believe is the single biggest factor in the success of the Miracle Morning and other authors that write similar books. Number one, Change ongoing daily behavior. Now you see dailies in quotes because it doesn't have to necessarily be daily, but it's ideal if it is. Here's what I mean. The problem with most books is, and most content, is it doesn't change your behavior or the reader's behavior. It simply changes your thinking. Who's been there before where you're reading a book and you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that before. That is, what a concept. That's amazing. And maybe while you're reading that book, you're telling people you know, you've got to read, this book is blowing my mind. You've got to read this. But if it doesn't change your behavior, that change in thinking is very often short-lived, right? And it's replaced as soon as you're on to the next book. You ever been there before where the current book you're reading is always the best book you've ever read? 
until you go to the next book. And if that book didn't change your behavior, well, well now which book are you talking about to your friends and family and colleagues? It's the book you're reading. And if that book doesn't change your behavior, you get on to the next book and that, that's the best book you've ever read. And you're talking about it for the three weeks that you're reading it. And you're not talking about the book before that and the book before that and the book before that and the 300, whatever, you know, books before that. But if one of those books, any one of those books had given you a ritual, a routine, something to do every day that added significant value to your life. Well, if it becomes a permanent fixture in your behavior, then it doesn't matter. It could be three months later or three years later. And you're still talking about it because it's still changing your life. I hear this all the time. People will always say, Hal, I talk about your book all the time because I'm always leaving dinner parties early because I got to get to bed for my miracle morning. And everybody always asks me, what, what, it's eight o'clock. Why are you leaving? And they, I tell them, I, I, I've got to get to bed. I got to wake up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or whatever it is for my miracle morning. And they go, what's the miracle morning? It's this book I read four years ago and it has this little routine and it's changed my life. I do it every single day. So the secret, I believe, the secret to writing a book that will create a word of mouth phenomenon is to embed behavior change in your content. And I'm gonna go a little further than that. Your entire book should culminate into the behavior change. The entire book should lead into the behavior change so that when the book ends, they've been prepared mentally, emotionally, logistically, and you've set them up for success to implement that behavior change in their life. And I'll give you some strategies on how to do that. Number one, rituals and routines. Give them something to do. The miracle morning is a daily ritual. You wake up 30 minutes earlier, 60 minutes earlier than you normally would, and you meditate for five or 10 minutes, and then you read five or 10 minutes of affirmations. And then you close your eyes and you do five or 10 minutes of visualization. And then you open your eyes and you pull out a book and you do five or 10 minutes of reading. And then you do five or 10 minutes of exercise. Just get your heart rate going. You don't have to go to the gym. Just get your heart, get blood and oxygen to your brain. So you think clearer, you feel better. You make better decisions. You have more discipline, more energy. And then pull out your journal and and scribe journal, write down what you're grateful for, right? That's a ritual. Now, now, you might be thinking, well, but okay, but how, but your book's literally about a ritual. So what if, what if I'm doing a book on like, you know, dating or, 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 or marriage or something, right? Okay. So give the couple a daily ritual that they do every day that adds value to their marriage. It could be as simple as at the end of the day, they have a, a journal and by the way, companion product bonus tip, right? You know, they have, they have the, the journal that, that, that facilitates the ritual where at the end of the day, they, and maybe at the end of the day, the husband or wife write a letter and then in the morning they, they, they leave it on the bedside table and, and you know, the wife wakes up and, and she reads it and then she writes it back, right? And then he gets it and at the end of the day, he writes the note. You follow what I'm saying? You can literally do this with any topic. And by the way, you can actually steal the miracle morning practices, right? So if you're not familiar with the miracle morning, those six practices are embedded in an acronym, 
which I also highly recommend despite what Phil said. Um, uh, which, so the savers, S-A-V-E-R-S. Meditation became silence because I needed an S for the acronym. Mavers wasn't a thing, right? And then journaling became scribing at the end because saverja wasn't a thing, right? So I used a thesaurus and I found other, my brilliant wife, she's like, why don't you get a thesaurus so you can make an acronym? I was like, oh, you're a genius. Uh, she named them, she's my muse, by the way. I recently told her that. She named the Miracle Morning. She, she figured out the acronym strategy. But here's the beauty of it, right? So this, this acronym, S-A-V-E-R-S, you can model any one of those, right? So you could create a meditation for the content you're teaching in the book. You could create affirmations. In fact, that's the lowest hanging fruit. And I think every single author should have affirmations that you create. People can opt in and download from your website, right? Affirmations that reinforce your content. Because guess what happens? We can't, you read a, a 200 page book, unless you're, who remembers? 90% of what you read, right? But you should have a cheat sheet. That affirmation, they should be able to download an affirmation that they read every morning that reminds them of the key concepts that you've taught in the book and the actions they need to take to implement your concepts, right? That's low hanging fruit. Everybody should have a set of affirmations for people to read that reinforces the content that you taught them. And if you really care about the reader and you want them to actually implement what you taught them and you want them to actually change their life with your content, right? Then they need something they can read in one page very quickly every day to reinforce those concepts. Um, so again, you can and go through the rest of the visualization. You can go through any of the, any of the savers and you can kind of just pull them into and model most of them in, and put your content in place. The second thing is, I already said that, daily affirmations, right? Give them something to say. And the third is give them something to transform their life. And there's, you know, there's a lot of different research on how long it takes to form a habit. Anywhere from 21 days is very common. That was founded by, I think, Maxwell Maltz in the book Psycho-Cybernetics back in the day. Uh, most recently, the book The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan taught 66 days based on some Harvard research. I personally like 30 I also believe in the mind-body connection where it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you say, I can create a habit in 21 days, you can. If you say, I can do it in 30, you can. If you say it takes me 66, it will, right? But I've, I, I've changed countless habits in 30 days. So I promise you, you can do that. And I've coached other people to do the same thing, right? But here's the point. Every book I've written, and I've written, I think, 14 now, so I've got, I've got three main books, Taking Life Head On, The Miracle Morning, and The Miracle Equation. And then I have a book series. So we have The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs that I did with Cameron Harold, The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery, The Miracle Morning for College Students, The Miracle Morning for Couples, right? On and on. There's like 13 of the ish of those. I can't, I don't know exactly how many. Um, I lost track. But they all end with a 30-day challenge. And let me give you an important bonus tip. You need to set people up for success, which is you can't just say, hey, everybody, you read the book, you learned my content. Here's your 30-day challenge. They're going to fail because most people, as New Year's resolutions prove year after year after year, suck at sticking with a new habit. Yes or yes? Right? You know? If you go to the gym and first week of January, it's packed. You can't find a spot. Everybody's all fired up. Last week of January, it's half empty in the parking lot, right? 
because we don't know how to change habits. It's, it's, it, change is very difficult. So the chapter that leads up to the 30-day challenge teaches why, what you need to do, the psychology behind changing a habit. And you're only a few Google searches away from figuring out how to reteach that, right? You know, what does it take to change a habit or stick to a New Year's resolution? Teach that in your book, in the cha- either preceding the chapter or in the chapter where you're giving the 30-day challenge. Say, here's why most people fail at 30-day challenges. Here is exactly what you need to do to make it as easy as possible for you to succeed at this 30-day challenge. All right, so number one, change ongoing behavior, ideally daily behavior. The second key is to create a self-sustaining community. Raise your hand if you are part of the Miracle Morning community on Facebook. That is not nearly enough of you. Raise your hand if you're going to join one of the most positive, inspiring, supportive online communities in the world. So the Miracle Morning community has 30, 230,000, that was as of like a week ago, it's like 235,000 members now, I think. And I've never run a Facebook ad. I'm not that guy. I don't know how to do it. I don't have a team that does it. Um, I, uh, right, we, we don't solicit. That is every single person in there is because, I'm going to teach you how in a second, but it's because they come in in the beginning of the book, there's a special invitation to join the Miracle Morning community. And then at the end of the book, the exact same page exists. The only difference is in parentheses, it says a special invitation. And in parentheses, it says, in case you missed it the first time. Which, by the way, tells their brain, this must be important. It's also in the table of contents. It's like a little ninja trick, by the way, which I didn't do the first printing. I did it on the second printing when I made some changes. I put it in the table of contents so they see that before the chapter one is a special invitation, join the Miracle Morning community. At the end of the book, it says a special invitation in the table of contents in case you missed it the first time, which again tells the person, oh, this must be really important. But creating a self-sustaining community helps to ensure that your readers are supported long after they've read your book. So I have a lot of people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that say that that is where that's their favorite place to go on Facebook. It's your favorite place to go online because it's one of the most loving, non-judgmental, truly caring human family that wakes up every day and strives to fulfill each person's individual potential and supports each other in, in doing it collectively. And here are the keys to do that. Number one, a special invitation in your book. And by the way, if you don't have a book, you can start this right away. You can start a Facebook group that's a community. But by the way, you've got to get clear on what is the purpose of that community, right? What is the purpose of that community? And when you write a book, it's just to implement your content and support each other in living what you're teaching. Because obviously, you're writing a book because you believe you have content that will change a person's life. And making changes is difficult. And we need support, we need accountability, and we need encouragement to do so. That's the purpose, uh, in my opinion, of having an online community. So the special limitation, but again, if you don't have a book, you can start it by putting it as a PS in your email. Say, join the new community, get support on the thing that I'm teaching you. Something, keep this in mind. When the Miracle Morning, I had the idea, I started it in 2007. I didn't publish it until 2012. I didn't start writing the book till around 2008, 2009. But here's the point. Before I, there was, it was ever even going to be a book, I started teaching it on 
webinar, it wasn't even webinars back then. It was, what were the audio things called? Teleseminars. Remember teleseminars, you guys, before webinars? I was doing teleseminars, teaching the Miracle Morning without, I wasn't profiting. It was just teaching it. I was giving speeches. I was teaching it. I was just sharing it, right? Kind of like JJ Virgin talked about this morning. I was, I was testing, you know, the content, seeing if it resonated. And, and people were, it was changing their lives. And that's where I went, okay, I have to write a book about this. The second thing to create a self-sustaining community is your pinned post. When people come into the group, you want to have a pinned post at the top. Ideally, it's a video of you. Mine is not a video because I just, I didn't, I didn't do that back in the day. But you want to give them real simple instructions. Welcome them to the community and then give them simple instructions. Ask them to post one thing and ask them to make one comment on someone else's post. The one thing they should post should be whatever's related to your content, right? It could be how long have you been doing the Miracle Morning, in, in my case, right? Um, if anything related to your content, just give them something to do. So that way, now your community is self-sustaining. Every time somebody comes in new, they post something and then they comment on somebody else's post. So it keeps the engine running. It keeps the community engaged. And I'll tell you, I did this where I did a 30-day, a best month ever challenge. And I modeled this. And we had 3,000 people join the challenge and the feed within a matter, Emily's nodding her head, you were part of that? Yeah, and I didn't do anything. Like I just put the post up and I'm like, comment what is your single most important goal for your 30-day best month ever challenge and then comment on somebody else's post. And the whole thing just ran itself and I just checked in every day and just watched it happen. It was incredible. Uh, Number three, add value daily. So I check into the Miracle Morning community almost every day. I have a team of moderators now because it's so big. But for years, I went in there every day and I posted a positive quote. I shared an article. I just did at least one thing to add value to the group. And they had a reason to come and get value. And of course, then they now add value for each other. And then step four, and this is down the road, but form a moderator team. Eventually, if your group grows so big, you've got, you'll have you know, people posting porn and all sorts of crazy stuff and spammers and stuff you never anticipated. So you have to make it the group closed so you, people have to approve the post. Um, yeah, I was blown away when I saw like a horse and a, yeah, it was crazy. I was like, whoa, whoa, this is now a private group. It is now, all posts must be approved. Uh, so I have a few moderators that, that make sure all the posts are in alignment with our, our values. Number three, and this is important for building your platform. When I wrote the Miracle Morning, I had 3,000 people on my email list. Now I have 760,000 people on my email list. And they've all come from what I'm teaching you, the book. I don't, again, I'm not an email marketer. I'm not an internet marketer. I don't have Facebook ads. I don't, I don't do any of that. Or occasionally, I think my web guy does some, but like at random, like that's never been my strategy. I've done all of this. All of my business has been built through the books. Here's how you do it. By the way, I'm going to go back before I show you that. I was at a, 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 an event. It's actually where I met J- No. Yes, maybe. I don't know. I was at an event. I think, yeah, it was the one where I was on stage with JJ and uh, where, where we met a few years back. And I was talking about books and Beyond the Best Seller. And I shared that we get roughly 80% of our readers opt in for the bonuses. And she had shared on stage that the industry standard uh, in traditional publishing is, I believe, 17% of readers opt in when they read a book to get con- extra content in the book. And ours is 80%. And she came up to me and she was like, that's not possible. I was like, I'm not lying. <laughs> it's like 82%, I think, right? And she's like, how do you do that? And I was like, 
That's a really good question. That was one of those things that I kind of accidentally did. I didn't, it wasn't that I was a genius. I just did some stuff. And then I looked back and I went, oh, that's why we get such a high opt-in rate. And here's why. Real simple. Give three to five relevant, highly valuable, downloadable bonuses that people need to give their name and email address to, ca- to get. Could be audios, videos, etc. So in the Miracle Morning, when I teach about affirmations, I then give, I go, hey, if you want to get sample affirmations in each of these areas of your life, finances, relationships, etc., opt in at tmmbook.com. And if you want to actually get my own personal affirmations from the year I wrote this book, which is a little bonus ninja strategy, if you're the author to give away something personal that normally you would be the only one looking at, right? That's really appealing to a reader. So the readers can actually download my affirmations that I used the year that I wrote that book. I used them to write the ultra, to run the ultra marathon, all the things that I did. I did, I, I give those affirmations away. Um, and when I get to uh, journaling, I give a sample journal. I give a 30-day challenge tracking sheet at the end. So here's the point. Throughout the book, they're learning these new practices and new strategies, and then they're supporting documents that they can download. Now, it's really important, by the way, and I made a mistake of doing this. There were certain things that, in the beginning, I didn't explain why they needed to download them. I just said, go give me your name and email address to download this. And I had some negative reviews on Amazon. They go, it's BS. He could have put this in the book. I don't like that he's, he's making me give my email to get something that could have been in the book. And I was like, that's really relevant. And being self-published, you can change whatever you want, your book. So I went back in there and I explained why it was valuable to download it. For example, there's the bedtime affirmations that you keep on your nightstand and you read before bed to optimize your mind before you go to bed. So you wake up with the right mindset. That's one of the bonuses, right? So I said, look, I said, and now it's in, I put it in the book. I go, now, if you don't want to keep my book on your nightstand and try to fold it open, I have a downloadable version of this that you can print out and keep on your nightstand. And they're like, oh, so the point is make sure that when you give your bonuses, it's a mistake that I made that I've corrected. Give, make the, give logical reasons why they would want to download them, right? Versus why they can't just be in the book. If it's a, for example, the 30 day tracker sheet, it'd be, it's way too much for them to fill out in tiny print with underlines and stuff in the book. So explain why that is. So they trust you and they're not thinking, oh, you're just trying to snatch my email address. This is the example, this is the opt-in page for all the bonuses. So they get the affirmations, the energy smoothie, the journal, the 30-day life transformation challenge, right? Just a simple opt-in page. I think that's on Kajabi. You could use leadpages.net, whatever you want. The fourth key is expand your back-end offerings. I won't spend a lot of time on this. It's not rocket science. JJ Virgin gave you a more extensive list, but this is kind of what what my back-end offerings are, right? Products, online and offline, speaking. You know, I'm a keynote speaker primarily. Um, Coaching. I don't have live events on there for some reason, but, you know, we do a live event every year called the Best Year Ever Blueprint coming up in December. It's our last year running it. I'm going to take a year off and focus on my health. It's too freaking stressful to run an event. Chris, I, I admire you. Um, but, uh, but the point is, right, having, having whatever your products and services are so that 
people, when they read your book, you become the expert, right? You think about that, you become the expert. If they're reading a book on a topic and you have a business that supports that topic, right? Then they're gonna wanna go deeper with you. They're gonna wanna meet you in person, go to your event, learn from you, take your coaching, whatever else that you offer them. And last, but maybe most important, as you're about to see from this graph, I'm gonna show you, continue promoting until. And if you're wondering until what? Until. You just keep promoting until you've made the impact you want to make in the world. And I, my, my original impact was I want to change a few thousand lives with this book. And then once we sold a few thousand copies, I went, I'm going to think bigger. And my mission in writing became change one million lives one morning at a time. And then we reached a million people and I went, shit, what, where am I, what, what do I do now? And now it's simply, I took the number off. And my mission, and it's a real mission, it's not just a tagline, it's not a cute, it's to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person at a time. And the number in my mind that I have, I'll just let you in behind the scenes, is a billion people. How do we reach a billion people? Because I figure the ripple effect of if I can reach a billion people and transform one billion lives, it'll probably affect the majority of the planet, will elevate consciousness. Um, when I wrote The Miracle Morning, and this really goes back to what I opened with, saying, you know, if you're feeling like I am, a little bit insecure, comparing yourself to all these speakers, a little overwhelmed, thinking, man, they're so much further ahead than I am, right? I have those feelings all the time. Uh, I want you to understand what it looked like for The Miracle Morning to sell 2 million copies. This is how it started. For the first year and a half, that, that, you see that line, from December 2012 when it published... We sold 2,000 copies that first month, which by the way, if you're an author, you know that most authors, you sell the most copies you ever sell the first month because you leverage every relationship you have. You do this launch, you beg people, you buy all the books you can afford until you run out of money, right? Like your first month is usually the best. And then usually most books trail off into obscurity and, you ne and they never go back up. And I mean, I'm talking New York Times bestsellers. I track authors, right? I look, I'm like, oh, this guy had a huge launch. You know, he's a New York Times bestseller. And then six months later, his book is ranked 27,000th on Amazon, right? Or 100,000th on Amazon, you know, he or she. I've had a lot of authors say this graph was the most valuable thing they got from this entire message. And I'll, and I'll explain why that is. When I wrote The Miracle Morning, I didn't have a platform. I didn't have an audience. I didn't have, I, I had no way to launch it really big. So I, but I believed in the message, I believed, I felt a sense of responsibility that I owed it to the world to share this with them because it could change their life the way it had changed my life and all the people that, that I had shared it with already, that had read it so far. And I kept promoting, kept promoting, kept promoting, even though I wasn't making much money. And the first year, my goal was to sell a million copies. I sold 13,000 copies. 13, now if you're, if you're a math person, that's like 99% short of the goal. 99.87% short of the goal, I think, right? Think about that. And most authors, I believe, and this is from talking to them, they just, they just move on to the next thing. You follow? And they always tell me, man, when I saw that graph, Hal, what would have happened if I would have kept promoting that one book instead of letting it fade into the distance and die off while I worked on the next book and then the next thing and then the next thing. One of my favorite added you know, quotes or philosophies is it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. So my question for you is, 
What do you care enough about and believe enough in that you're willing to dedicate the next 10 years of your life to that one thing until it makes the impact and the income that you want? It's your turn to go beyond the bestseller, to write a book or create content following these strategies that does create a movement that earns you a fortune and your family a fortune and gives you the financial security and freedom that you all deserve, we all deserve, and really changes the world and really makes an impact. And I wanna close by saying this, none of this matters. And none of anything that you've learned over these last two days matter unless you're happy, unless you enjoy your life. And I'm talking about every moment of your life, not because of what you've done or because of what you have, but because you woke up today, because you're alive. In fact, I'd invite all of us to close our eyes for just a few moments and find that place inside of you that is always there, that is just grateful to be alive. That's not dependent on what you do or what you have, but take a deep breath and just feel love and gratitude for yourself, for your life. Feel joy for being alive. And you can open your eyes. That's what matters. That's why we're here. And any moment that you're not experiencing love and joy, you're forgetting the point. And love and joy are not found outside of you. And they're not found in your business getting better. And they're not found in making more money or achieving more or being on the stage. It's always inside of you and it's always available to you and it's what matters. So love yourself as you are, see yourself as you can be, create the most extraordinary life that you can imagine and help others do the same. I love you guys. Thank you. for tuning in to this week's episode of Youpreneur FM. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, why not head over to our official website at youpreneur.com to access all our tools and resources essential to building, marketing, and monetizing a future-proof business based around your expertise. We'll see you next time.